think it's so important that athletes like yourself who've been doing this for a very long time talk about that as well because I think that helps people who are just getting started and, and when I say just getting started I don't mean the person who just bought their first pair of running shoes people that are into these sports two three four five years are still in my mind just getting started with it and athletes like you telling that story shows the experience and the wisdom that you've gained and, and it, I believe it's our responsibility to impart that on those folks that are just getting started. What's up runners? This is the Personalized Running Doc. I'm a runner rehab specialist, running coach, and competitive distance runner. And throughout the early years of my running career, I was plagued with repetitive injuries and told by many a professional that it was my body's own fault, that my body wasn't built for running. So either I could quit or just live with the pain. I decided to choose option three, dive into the science behind running and training, which is what allowed me to return to running pain-free and continue chasing after my own PRs to this day. And now I'm gonna tell you all that I have learned along the way and how I coach my own athletes to do the same. This is the Up and Running Podcast. What's up, runners? Welcome to the Up and Running podcast. Um, I have another guest for you guys today, and his name is Jason ba- Jason Bahamundi. Jeez, tried my hardest not to like mess up names and literally went and did that. Um, but I have known Jason for a couple of years now. Um, he is part of the Try Run Mag um, little logo that you guys see at the bottom of my newsletter each week. But I'm going to let Jason kind of tell us about himself and kind of just let the conversation flow. So, Jason, who are you? What What's your story? And tell us all the things. <laughs> Man, that's a trick question. Having been on this planet for almost 50 years, who am I, right? We, we could fill the whole podcast not about running answering that question. Absolutely. Um, but the e- easiest thing, I guess, is I'm a, an endurance athlete, first and foremost. And so that means I, like I tell people, I swim, bike and run for long periods of time. Um, I've been doing, I've been participating in endurance sports for about 16 years, got into it, um, being voluntold to join the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's uh, team and training group. 16 years ago to participate in a half marathon and it's kind of just taken off since then to the point where as you mentioned i am the founder of uh, run try bike we are a an endurance sports multimedia platform um, that really wants to help people understand that they can participate in these sports that it doesn't matter if you're running a five minute mile it doesn't matter if you're running a 15 minute mile. It doesn't matter if you finish an Ironman in 17 hours or if you finish one in eight hours, your accomplishments are worthy and they should be told and shared with others. And so, um, having gone through 16 years of this stuff, it's, it's amazing to see what has transpired simultaneously. It's also amazing to see what hasn't changed. And I laugh because I mean that in a bad way. (laughs) Yeah. I just kind of going off of already what you've already mentioned in that um, a big topic that has been like in my kind of realm of discussion lately is like gatekeeping in the sport and like just it breaks my heart to hear some of the stories that some of my runners like have in this sport of like the way that they've been treated because of either the way that they look or the the paces that they run and 
even myself, like I can say that like I've had people make assumptions based upon like my body type um, and whether or not I am like a true distance runner. And it's just preposterous. First of all, I think with the fact that I've been in this sport and I have like a longer training age and I've gained a lot of confidence in my ability to show up for myself um, in this sport, as well as now be potentially like hopefully inspiring to other athletes. I think I have a bit more kind of like heels in the ground and like no one's going to push me over and like say anything to my face without um, me kind of like speaking up. But hearing the hearing my other athletes like experience this gatekeeping really makes me sad because I think that everybody belongs here. I think if we want to see, especially in the U.S., people have a better relationship with health and fitness and making quote unquote better choices in their lifestyle. And we want to decrease the rate of like chronic illness, which has like skyrocketed skyrocketed in the last couple of decades, then we need to be more inclusive. We need to be more understanding and we need to be more supportive to everybody joining in and being able to start somewhere because we started somewhere, but because we started somewhere, maybe when we were younger, no one saw that somewhere because no one was paying attention. Truth is no one's paying attention now either, but we feel as though people are. And that's again, where like we see the not so great behavior at races. Yeah. I will, I will also take the, let's take the business side approach to gatekeeping, right? I just recently had a conversation with an advertising partner of ours where at the Ironman distance, the the size of age groups in the time that I've been participating in these sports, so 16 years has been typically 35 to 39, and then it moved to the 45 to 49, and now it's into the 50s. So the people that started when they were 30 are just getting older, and they're still racing, but there's nobody backfilling, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you're a race director, and you don't have the participant level because there's nobody coming in on the younger side, then how are you going to continue to put on races? Mm -hmm. And so we as athletes who love to race and specifically those that are gatekeeping are, are going to be the people that are racing constantly. If those races aren't there because we didn't invite more people to the party, then, then what, right? The thing that you loved, you're actually choking to death mm -hmm. in a way by not allowing people to participate regardless of, you know, who they are, or what their speed is. Um, you know, and it's just funny to me because again, you know, having been through this stuff for so long, right. I, I, I don't talk about it very often, but I, I've finished eight Ironman races. I have finished eight 100 mile races. I've done a number of marathons. I finished a 250 mile race. So I feel like I can talk about these sports from, a sense of accomplishment to say, yeah, there's no reason that somebody who finishes a marathon in six hours shouldn't participate or somebody who finishes an Ironman in 17 hours shouldn't participate. That's crazy. But it is absolutely crazy on the finisher list. Like, I think it's absolutely crazy. Like I have some athletes that participated in Boston this past year and because they finished over the six hour mark, one, they didn't receive a medal because the BAA didn't have enough medals. And also I found out that they were giving medals to like not participants like they were just handing out some medals yeah that that was a whole issue um but didn't have enough medals whereas giving out medals to people that didn't 
even run the race. And then on top of that, she finished over the six hour mark. So now she doesn't even get quote unquote credit or visibility that like she ran Boston Marathon and she did it. And she did it on like a really hard day. Like there was torrential downpours that day. It was her first ever marathon. She did it running for a charity and raised so much money because it was something that was near and dear to her heart. Somebody again in her, her stratosphere had um, cancer and like it meant a lot to her to contribute to Dana-Farber because of that. And she doesn't get the the visibility or the credit and like, again, is going to have more negativity being put on her for being in the back of the pack and being some of the last. She wasn't the last finisher, but because she was near the last, like she's more often than not going to not see as many crowds, seeing the tables be broke down as she's passing, which that's just defeating. And like, that's a terrible mm-hmm. We, we shouldn't be, I understand that there's time limits. I understand that the, there's a lot of like coordination with the cities and things like that they have to go through, but it, it, I don't think that they, I don't think that the organizers realize the impact of these subtle things that they are doing that are essentially making these people feel like they don't belong. Yeah. I think there's a, another part to that too, right? I've talked to race directors who've had to cancel races at last minute because they don't have enough volunteers. Mm-hmm. And if people don't feel welcome as participants, they're not going to come back and help with the race as in a volunteer capacity. And so you have that balance that you have to weigh there as well. Again, it, we're, we could potentially be choking the life out of these sports because of how we treat people, which makes no sense, right? Um, again, not, not to be crass about it but if you're a race director money is money right what do you like it's green regardless of who's handing it to you so why not be more open and inclusive and welcoming to participants because you can also then have those participants become volunteers again if you're open and willing and uh, have the opportunity to talk to them communication is key right and so it's just, it's, that's the one thing that, you know, I have seen that has changed quite a bit in, in my time here, which is why I started the business that I started, right? We, we literally want to share stories of athletes. Like you wrote a, a three-part series for us, which I thought was great because, you know, you are a very fast runner in terms of qualifying for New York and Boston and all those other events who had a hard time. Like we should talk about that stuff because there are athletes who are struggling with all kinds of stuff, whether, you know, it's going to be like this, like great story. And like every single time I was like, but nope, it didn't happen. Yeah. (laughs) And and I'm sorry that you had to go through that, but from our company's perspective, you know, we're happy to have those stories because not everything is unicorns and rainbows. You know, I, I, I ran uh, the Canyons 100 in April and I got to the 50K mark and found myself literally laying on the side of the road, throwing up because of heat exhaustion. And, you know, in a moment I was like, can I walk to the next aid station or do I just backtrack and call it a day? And, you know, after texting with my girlfriend, I was like, this doesn't make sense to to try to get to the next aid station because then what's going to happen? <laughs> going to DNF there? Why go through the pain? Yep. of that but people need to know that you have to make decisions for yourself and don't worry about the kudos on strava or the the hearts on facebook and instagram because you push through it and put yourself in a really bad spot yeah. um, health wise because of it 
I've had conversations with um, some of my runners about that because there's been again this mentality that like regardless of how I feel, I'm gonna I'm gonna get to the finish line no matter what. And I'm like, I love the like drive that you have, and I love that like that is like you are truly that invested in this. That is fantastic. Like let's keep up that confidence and that like gusto, but let's also realize that there are very usually not happening so, so often, but there are some circumstances where like you need to make the decision to drop out because it's actually going to be safer for you. Um, Like the article in which I I wrote for you guys in terms of me running Houston, I had food poisoning and I ran 10 miles with like having to run to the bathroom multiple times that morning before going into the race. And like, was it 100% smart of me to even start the race? Probably not, but I had like hopes that like, hopefully it had gotten out of my system. I had hydrated well enough that like, maybe by like the grace of the like racing gods, I would be able to make it through. And I I wasn't, and I realized that. Um, And at mile 10, I had to make the decision. I was like, maybe I could have continued to run. Honestly, it probably would have been faster for me because the pickup for the injured athletes was like terrible afterwards. <laughs> um, it probably would have been faster for me to just like walk, run to the finish, but I ended up pulling myself out. And then when I looked back at my watch and like, I don't even feel that the watch heart rates are like super accurate, but from like mile one to mile two, my heart rate jumped from like, the average 150, 160, where I usually sit running in my marathon pace to 180, 185. So obviously my body was under distress, way more distress than it should have been. And if I had continued pushing for an entire marathon at that rate, I I would have definitely ended up in the med tent. I would have ended up injured. I would have ended up in the hospital. Like there, there was no kind of getting around that that day. And I just had to essentially accept my fate. But there's been other races, like I just ran covered bridges and I got to mile four and I just, it wasn't anything in particular. It was just like my, I had a lot of stress over the past couple of months and I realized that racing wasn't something that my head was in. I was just like, I don't want to do this. I could have walked off the course and just like DNF'd on that race too, but I actually decided to stay in it and I didn't race, but I ran the entire thing. I ran it in a respectable time and for me. And I like had fun with some of my friends. And so like, I still was able to make that decision. So like, it's about knowing that, that line of like, what is actually risky versus what is safe to kind of like, at least continue to still say, Hey, I participated in this and like that. Yeah. Get a participation medal. Like that's worth it sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Being able to adjust your expectations to this race. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, we're all getting participation medals, whether we finish first or last in these events. Um, But the reality is, you know, you were able to adjust your expectations. And I think that's huge. Right. Um, And I think that's why it's important to have people around you, coaches, you know, maybe a nutritionist, dietitian, if you need it, you know, to help you understand what you've been going through for however long your training plan is, you know, six months, a year, four, four months, regardless. Um, having people that you can depend on to give you some feedback about where you're going as opposed to, you know, 
Joe Smith nine seven five three eight two one on Twitter, who's like, yeah, keep pushing hard. It's like, no, dude, like you don't know what I've been doing and and all of that stuff. And so I think by being able to be in these sports for a longer period of time too, you start to know what your body is capable of doing and needing to adjust when it needs to be adjusted. And really, like, again, we want to race hard, we want to participate, we want to finish strong, but we should be having fun at this, like. We should be having lots of fun at this and smiling and laughing and telling jokes when we're done, as opposed to keeled over in the med tent. Like that, that's not fun. Like it's, you that don't is, get a badge of courage for doing that. Fun. Like, and I don't even think that that at that point type three fun is really considered fun. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like if I'm in the med tent with an IV bag, because I just pushed myself to the brink, like Ah, that's, I would much rather tell the story of, you know, what you just did, right? Covered bridges. It, it, I didn't feel right. So I dialed it back and I had fun during the event with my friends and had mm-hmm. laughs as opposed to sitting in the med tent and worrying about getting IV and, and whether or not I have to go to the hospital. Like I'm again, I'm all for pushing yourself and, and stretching yourself. Cause I think that's how we get better and we grow, but you know, I'll just say it. I am not a David Goggins fan. Like, I don't believe in this concept of the way that you were talking. Like, like, I got to bring it up then. Like, what are your feelings on David Goggins? Because small snippets, I will say, are inspiring in the words that he used. They're very, like, illuminating and, like, can definitely, like, inspire people to bring them into the sport. And I have talked with athletes that have, like, asked to Mm -hmm. work with me that I've, like, essentially started under essentially David Goggins and his like philosophy but (laughs) there are so many things that like I also hear from like a pain perspective and all of the things that he's like also personally dealt with in terms of injuries and like his like mindset of just like running through it and I'm like this is terrible (laughs) terrible again the vast majority of us aren't getting paid to do this stuff no right and so running through, you know, miles and miles and miles with broken legs or torn Achilles tendons, like it doesn't make sense, right? Like just stop. Yeah. You know, I I, um, I was thinking about starting a t-shirt line that was like, you stay hard, I'm going to go take a nap. Like I just don't, I don't get it. Like rest and recovery is important. It's really important I would when you're it. tired. <laughs> <laughs> I love first sale. I love that. If my if my boyfriend lips, listens to this, he'll be like, "Yep, she would totally wear that." Like every single time, <laughs> like all on. I love my sleep. I love naps. Um, we actually went out the other day, and like we went to the gym, and the gym that we went to had like a two year birthday party, and like we're we were there, we were social, went and got like groceries, and then we came home, and I was just like absolutely between like the social like engagement and then like the workout that we did before it and it was really hot and he was like go take a nap like you're not gonna be able to be like helpful with any of the chores around the house just like go take a nap right now <laughs> and I got up, I got up after the nap and I was like I feel great and I actually yeah, went right after <laughs> the magic of rest for yeah. 30 minutes to an hour go figure the world will still keep spinning your dirty apartment or house will still be dirty. Like you, know, you still be able to do that stuff. Um, you know, and, and let me say this, like for people who have known me over the course of this time, 
like my motto at racing is all gas, no brakes, right? Like I, I don't have a governor on myself when it comes to racing, unfortunately, ever after all this time, like, you know, start off slow and build into it and negative split. And I know it, I know it all. Trust me, I've heard it. I know it all, but I race hard. And from the get go, I'm going to go hard until I can't go no more. And sometimes that's at mile 10. Other times I get to finish the race. It happens. Mm-hmm. So I, I, do understand like the let's go hard and and do hard things. I totally understand it. But I also understand that during training, you're going to be doing this stuff five, six, seven days a week, right? And if you're going hard all of that time, you're going to break down. Mm -hmm. So take a break. It's okay to take a break. Like racing the very next day and probably for a week or two after that, you're probably not doing much training. So go hard. Yeah. Yeah. And and go until the wheels come off the bus. I, there's a funny story. I, I trained, trained, I'm going to, for the podcast, as I'm putting it in air, listeners, I'm putting it in air quotes, for like three weeks to break 136, I think it was 136 at the half marathon. Like three weeks, right? Like two really good speed training sessions and like, okay, let's go for it. And the gun goes off and I'm running with a friend and like the first mile we're under seven minutes and it doesn't feel bad. And under the second mile we're under seven minutes. I'm like, Holy crap, we might be able to do this. And then by mile three, like I could feel the wheels starting to come off at mile nine. I'm now running like nine and a half minute paces. I'm like, I don't think I'm ever going to even finish this race at this point. <laughs> like, Holy macaroni. And like the, the two hour pace group is coming up behind me. And that was the motivation. I was like, I got to be able to stay ahead of these guys. If I was trying to run a 135, I've got, you know, that's a 25 minute difference over the course of a 13 mile race. Um, but yeah, so I just, you know, go hard. And, and, but I knew the very next day I wasn't going to be training. I didn't have to wake up early, you know, all of that stuff that you do during a training cycle is much different than race day. And so while I don't um, adhere to the Goggins theory of stay hard, you know, constantly on race day, go hard until you can't go anymore. Um, but during training, man, you gotta be smart. If you wake up and you don't feel well, like, and I mean, really, really feel well, stay in bed, like take the extra half hour to stay in bed and then maybe do some yoga that day, you know, and get the workout in. Like I have a core stretching and balance routine. It's 30 minutes a day. And some days if I don't feel like doing anything, don't feel like running, don't feel like lifting, swimming or biking, I'll do that. And it's still progression. It's still getting me to the finish line and allowing my body to recover from whatever's ailing it in the moment. You're a small business owner, right? Your stresses don't come just from running. Your stresses also come from coaching and running a business, right? Like so much stress, (laughs) right? Like I've, and I've been feeling that lately, like personally. And like, I'm very open about that on like my Instagram page. I'm very open about that with my clients. I'm very open about it on, on my podcast. Like I have a lot of stress in my life. Um, I've had a lot of personal stress in my life, like in the last seven months, eight months, um, I've gone through a a breakup. I've had, um, I've become essentially the sole like earner in my house because there's nobody else in my house and had to like provide for myself, which was not like prepared to do, um, in terms of like me, and the money that I earn in a small business, like I don't make that much money after everything's said and done in terms of business expenses and paying my taxes. Like people probably think I make more, but like, I really don't, I, I don't make a lot of money. And so I had to adjust really quickly, but had those stresses, had the holidays, had two back-to-back 
not great races, started a new relationship. Um, my grandmother passed away. So like list on list on list of like all of the personal stress. And then like there was business stress because I, I decided to run a um, retreat, which was amazing. And it was a goal of mine. And it was literally a dream came true. Like I ended that weekend um, and I was crying in front of the, the participants because I was like, you guys don't know how much this means to me. Like I literally was able to create and like have a dream come true here. And the fact that like, not only did like a dream come true and like, I was happy doing it. You guys all had a great time and like, want to come back. And that was like a huge weight off my shoulders, but essentially the six months leading up to that building that creating it and like having this anticipation of like, Oh my God, is it going to go well? So much stress behind that. Um, and I'm feeling that at this moment and actually like, I think I pulled a muscle running with my dogs the other week cause they were trying to chase a cat and I was trying to not <laughs> chase a cat. Yeah. So this is the, this is the type of quote unquote injury that I have at the current moment. I wouldn't call it an injury cause I'm still running. I'm still training. Um, still doing a lot of strength training on the side, but, um, I know that it wasn't just the fact that my dogs pulled me towards a cat and I like had to like break hard to essentially prevent them from like eating the cat. <laughs> um, that got me like to experience this like muscle strain. Um, it's also all of the stress, all of the travel, all of the like the non-recovery periods, not just from training, but from like my life outside of it that has put me in this essentially like peak and pinnacle like opportunity for like an injury or an illness and it, it's funny because I kind of like felt it I was like I feel as though I'm either gonna get sick soon or I'm gonna get injured like I can just tell because because of how high my stress has been um and and that's exactly what happened a little like pop-up of this like muscle strain occurred and it's forced me to pull back and I see it as a blessing in some ways because it's like the first time I feel like in my life where I'm like I can just like, in, I don't have any races on the book. I don't have any, like, I do have goals that I want to eventually achieve, but I don't have anything that's like, it's no longer time pressing. I don't know why I always felt like it was time pressing. Like at a certain point in my life, I wouldn't be able to try for these things, but now it doesn't feel time pressing anymore. And I'm very content where I am in my life. And I'm like, I'll get to those things eventually, but Hey, why not this summer for the first summer, probably in like 20 years, <laughs> like just enjoy having fun. Like you can go for hikes, you can go for bike rides, yep. you can, you can run if you want to, or you can, and you can strength train a ton. You can move your body six, seven days a week at different capacities and different levels. And just like respecting again, rest time. I'm a big believer on taking a rest day, but a rest day for me may look like taking my dogs for a 40, my 45 minute walk because like that, that is recovery time. Um, yep. but I'm just like enjoying this, like shift in mindset during this period of my, my training and my running journey. I think it's so important that athletes like yourself, who've been doing this for a very long time, talk about that as well, because I think that helps people who are just getting started. And, and when I say just getting started, I don't mean the person who just bought their first pair of running shoes people that are into these sports two, three, four, five years are still in my mind, just getting started with it. Mm -hmm. And athletes like you telling that story 
shows the experience and the wisdom that you've gained. And, and it, I believe it's our responsibility to impart that on those folks that are just getting started, <clears throat> that you don't always have to have a race on the books, that you can go run to enjoy running. You can go for a hike if you want. Get yourself in the gym. Like I know you and I have exchanged emails about this. Like I'm in that phase right now where going to the gym and lifting feels great. Like I have soreness in my chest and arms right now from a workout that I did a couple of days ago. Um, and it, it makes me happy like, to have that, you know, soreness. And so go to the gym and strength train and work out. Like it's not going to make you a slower athlete. If anything, it'll make you a much uh, faster athlete because your longevity and being able to hold a pace happens. Right. Um, so I think it's just important that folks like yourself and myself who've been doing this for a number of years, keep talking about that stuff, keep imparting that wisdom that, you know, it's not the end all be all if you don't race constantly. It's not the end all be all if you do one big race a year, like that's okay. You don't have to have a stacked deck to prove that you're a runner in any way, shape or form, because doing that does add stress, which leads to burnout really, really fast. And, and having experienced burnout myself a couple of times, I get it. Like I totally get that it's a real thing and it can happen. Mm -hmm. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is you, we talked about stress. So when I first started training for Ironman distance races, my coach, Maria Simone, she would say to me, Jason, stress is stress. And, you know, at the time I just ignored it. I was like, yeah, whatever, you know, work is work and, you know, home is home. But the physical stress of running, swimming and biking and, and all these other things. And I just ignored her for so long. And as I've gotten older in these sports, I've realized, yeah, stress is stress. Like, running a business stress is real, right? Like that is real. And it takes you some days it takes you out. Like I'll be like, okay, I don't want to run this morning. I'm going to run this afternoon. And then, you know, seven different things hit my desk for different advertising partners. And it's like, well, the run is going to have to wait, you know, and um, that causes stress. And so people need to recognize that too, right? Like if you have a hard deadline for some project you have to do, like that's going to have an impact on your training, um, just know that that's the case. And, and again, figure out other ways. And if you can hire a coach like yourself to help you work through that process, okay, I can't run the four miles, five miles today. What can I do to make me one, get those endorphins to make me feel like I've accomplished something. Cause I know how important that is. Um, and keep me on the right track as opposed to, you know, all of a sudden all this stress starts building up because you do need to release it in some form or fashion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's like, with with that being said with like hiring a coach the biggest thing and the thing that like I constantly like kind of like push my athletes to do is like just communicate with me like doesn't have to be on a daily basis doesn't even have to be on like necessarily a weekly basis but like when big things like that when things come into your life and you're like this is a lot of like stress or change or what especially going through change like people don't understand how like moving or have it like changing jobs or so something happening in your life like and you're essentially going through a transition period of like this new normal it's hard to like adapt your schedule to that and it's hard to just like fit everything in like nothing changed because something did change um and you need to kind of be like adaptable to that but a coach can also help you be like okay like it is okay to pull back it is okay to let's just make it like 
what's the lowest barrier to entry for you right now to get you out the door, to get you in the weight room, to be able to do the things that you need to do for yourself. We don't have to make it hard. We don't have to keep grasping for these bigger and bigger goals. We can just maintain right now. If right now is the season of your life where there is too much stress or there is something else that's taking your, your time and your attention, like that is okay. Yeah, I know we we often say to ourselves, oh, that race will be there, right? And it's hard to understand that a lot of times. Like, okay, you didn't do it this year. It'll be there next year. And it's hard to process that it will be there the following year. But the reality is there are always races. So on our website, we have, I don't know, thousands of races that show up all across the country. And we get them uploaded, uh, I think, once or twice a week. And there, there's races everywhere. Like, mm-hmm. you, you think of it, if the race exists, and it's probably within, you know, a driving distance of your home all across the country. And so don't beat yourself up, I guess. And don't don't worry if you didn't get to go to a particular race because life got in the way. There's something else there that when life slows down, you'll be able to participate in. Um, and, I, you know, I coach athletes as well. and um, we talk once a week for the most part. And, you know, I want to hear from them about life's stresses because that also helps me adjust their training plans. And if you don't have a coach, you know, be tied in to what's going on in your life, right? Like if you have to fly, don't try to squeeze in a 10 mile run before the flight, right? Like be smart about it (laughs) or after, right? Like, like understand what's happening you know, go, getting to the airport, flying, and, and then leaving the airport when you land is stressful. Like, it's, it's stressful. stressful. Even even I, just it, like being on a plane for, like, three hours, folks, <clears throat> like, because of the cabin pressure, because of the high altitude, you're going to experience inflammation and dehydration. And, like, you can combat that with, again, wearing, like, I always coach my athletes to, like, wear compression gear when they are flying, regardless of how long the flight is, like, wear compression gear. Um, when I fly, like I wear compression tights, like head to toe, like I am, I am compressed (laughs) to make sure that the information (laughs) isn't too much because like, I know that my body will kind of like store onto that and then it won't feel great the next day. Um, but wearing compression gear and like bringing a water bottle to stay hydrated, like that's going to help, but it's, it's not going to change everything because like you said, it's still stressful to go through the whole process of getting to the airport, well, packing, getting to the airport, going through security, getting on the plane, whatever your plane situation is, because we're just packed in like sardines at this point, And like, everybody's just like, so close together, you can't get comfortable. Um, or people sit their seat all the way back. Don't do that. <laughs> Everybody listening, don't sit your seat all the way back if there's somebody behind you because you're probably essentially putting your head in their lap. <laughs> it is not comfortable for anybody. Maybe it's comfortable for you, but it's not comfortable for the person sitting behind you and then the cascading effect that occurs. Um, put your seat back a little bit, just not all the way. Um, and then getting to your hotel, checking in, getting settled, like it's a whole day that like that can really kind of impact you stress wise. And so like that day, like, yeah, maybe if you're going to do like a 20 minute recovery run, cool, great. Shake out the legs. That's fine. 
But even the day after I, I advise people, I'm like, maybe let's not run that day. Maybe let's like, I understand if you're schedule wise, like that's, that's a day, but like, okay, then we're taking it super easy. We're not going super hard. Um, and we're, we're allowing again, that inflammation, maybe jet lag and dehydration to kind of like get out of the system for you to be able to rehydrate and rest and recover and, um, come back to like more of a homeostasis state before re-upping training if you're training while traveling. Here's a tip for, for your listeners. And I learned this sort of the hard way, <clears throat> but when it comes to travel. Don't we all? <laughs> yeah. Like we have all our lists, right? We're crossing things off. You inevitably, inevitably are going to forget something. So what I've started doing is searching for the running store in the area in which I'm going. So this way, if I realize that I don't have something, I know where the running store is and I don't start to panic. It's like, okay, well, it's, you know, five miles from the hotel or whatever, and I can get there and get what I need um, for that particular event. And it makes it, that has given me the opportunity to de-stress in a way. Cause it's like, yeah, so what if I forgot, you know, the gel or the whatever recovery powder or whatever it might be, the store here has it, you know, and that, that makes life a lot easier for me. And so um, that's my, my tip of the day for, for you listeners, you know, to de-stress yourselves when you're getting ready to travel for an event. Very smart. Also found out by like my own traveling that like most gels are like, you can bring them in on a um, like carry on, like you don't have to check in, even if they're, they are liquid because they're under that three ounce rule. Like you can just put them all in a, a Ziploc baggie and like, they don't care. <laughs> So yeah, you can bring um, your gels on your carry-on if you're only taking a carry-on. You do not have to check in your bag for that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good advice. So one time I flew to Puerto Rico for a race and I was racing, uh, I was an Ironman and we used CO2 cartridges mm. for our tires and I got paged. Jason Bahamundi, please come to security. And I was like, how would they know I was even here, right? And so I go to security and they take me into this back room and I'm super intimidated. And I'm like, I just want to fly. I just want to get to the destination. And they're like, what are these things? And I'm like, oh, those are CO2 cartridges. You know, you use them to, for flat tires. Are you trying to bring them on the plane? And I was like, I forgot they were in my bag. Like I just like, at the, like in my brain, it just clicked like how ridiculous this was because the people at TSA had no idea what CO2 cartridges were. And so mm -hmm. they just thought that, you know, they like might've been a bomb. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, you can throw them out. And they're like, here? And I'm like, well, I mean, do you want me to take them back into the airport to throw them out? Like, like yes, you should control them if you're that concerned about it. Um, so yeah, things, you know, things will go awry as you're traveling. So just be prepared for that kind of stuff. And you can't take CO2 cartridges on a plane with you, even if it's going in the belly of the plane, even if you're checking it in. Good point. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> Ah. Well, this conversation has gone in many different directions, um, but I have loved every minute of it. In terms of like, what is what's currently like on your calendar right now, or what's like in your like goals at the current moment? What what are you looking forward to doing the most right now during the summertime and then into the fall? Yeah, I, I haven't picked out a race, but I'd like to get back into the 100-mile distance again. Like I mentioned earlier, I, I DNF'd at Canyons in April. And so um, the main goal is to earn enough, they call them stones, but points to get into UTMB and do that race over there. 
in Europe. And so finding the 100K, 100-mile race that earned UTMB points to get into that process. Um, and I have my eye on doing another 200-miler um, next year as well in August, the Oregon 200. So the summer will consist of a lot of long, slow training days in the mountains, plus tons of strength training. Um, and honestly, a lot of treadmill hiking, you know, when, when it's too hot outside, get on the mm-hmm. treadmill, you know, and, and get the hiking done so that I can lead to that point. And then I, I've been flirting with this idea for a very long time. And I don't know why I haven't pulled the trigger yet, but I keep seeing one and two mile open water swims that seem so intriguing to me because they are so out of my comfort zone. Like I get I had to swim for Ironman. Um, but that was to get to the bike, right? Like it's like, I had to do this so I can get on the bike. Um, but to do an open water swim, a one or two mile open water swim feels very daunting, um, Mm. to me. And I think that's why I keep kicking the can down the road a little bit, but at some point I'm going to plant my flag and be like, okay, this is the, the open water swim I'm going to do and go and do it. I just need to find it and, you know tell myself I can get it done. So there will be, you know, from a recovery standpoint, swimming is great for runners. And so I use, you know, so I'll use that to kind of sort of also train for an upcoming open water swim someplace. Nice. Nice. And so a lot of the runners that I work with, I would say the majority of them, I do have some like ultra trail runners um, that have done like 50 K and 50 milers Um, in terms of these even longer distances. How would you say, like, what does your, like, training look like? And what do you think is, like, most realistic if people are, like, in the back of their mind thinking, like, I want to do something like this, but I, I don't know if I have the time. I don't know if I have, like, the consistency. Like, how do I, where do I even start type of thing? Get a coach. Yes. Where do you start? <laughs> <laughs> Get a coach, yes. I am, I'm a low-volume runner, so. Um, oh, I love this already. From- yeah. <laughs> like I don't, I, in, I've finished eight 100 mile races, like I mentioned earlier, and I've never once had a 100 mile training week. Um, like I'm typically 35 to 50 miles. Um, my Monday through Fridays will, and like there's a, there are rest days in there too. I'm not running seven days a week, but you know, depending on the schedule, my Monday through Fridays have the intense work. There will be um, speed work, there will be intense climbing work, um, hill, hill climbing on the treadmill is fantastic because you can set that super high on a grade and do interval work, climbing and hiking, weight vest hiking on the treadmill as well. Um, and then Saturday and Sunday, and I will run both days typically, and it'll be Saturday will be a higher volume day, three, four, five hours, followed by Sunday, which a much lower volume, one to two hours. Um, just on really tired legs, but um, that's typically what I'm looking at. I don't like I'll run 45 minutes to an hour Monday through Friday. Like I'm not putting in hours upon hours upon hours um, of training. I do try to incorporate getting on the bike for 30 minutes to an hour to um, get the lactic acid out or swim. Another thing that I love to do is pool walk from a recovery perspective. You know, if you're gonna if you have access to a pool, do that. And so Monday through Friday kind of looks like almost like a, a triathlon training program because you got swimming and biking in there with mm-hmm. running and hiking. Um, and hiking is important. Like, again, unless your name's Courtney DeWalter, you're probably going to walk and hike at some point during your 100-mile race. So yeah. go out to the – I think that's what people don't 
understand is that like in the ultra world, unlike road running, there's so much more understanding and acceptance that like walking is a part of it. <laughs> it's yeah, just about like continuing to move and to continue to next step forward. But like walking has to be a part of this plan. You just have to get the time on feet included in that. Yeah, my fastest hundred miler was like 1910, 1911, 19 hours and 10 minutes or something like that. And it includes a lot of walking. Like, could you imagine running for 19 hours straight? Like, there's no way. You know, again, we're, our names aren't, then again, Courtney DeWalter's finishing it in 15 hours. So that's, you know, so she's doing it in less time too. But there's going to be walking getting in, so, in, yeah. in the 100 mile race. So definitely practice that. Like, if you have the opportunity to use trekking poles at the race that you're doing, go out and practice with them. They they make a huge difference and, and just do all of that kind of stuff. And so that's, to me, that's enough consistent work over the course of 16 to 20 weeks to reach the finish line of a 100 mile race. Yep. And I think I would, so one, I want to highlight 35 to 50 miles per week, people. This is all that he is doing to train for a hundred mile race. Like that is huge. Like in terms of like noting, like you don't have to be at, you don't have to be at the crazy mileage to be successful at your level in this sport. Like, again, we're, we're not here to be Courtney DeWalter and we're not here to like make all of the monies. Like that's not what our purpose is. And if that's your purpose, then yes, you need to be doing certain like shifts in your training. But for the average everyday runner, average everyday athlete, like that's not the case. Um, I know that most of like my marathon athletes, like they're doing around that volume. So like they could easily apparently be just shifting that slightly to be incorporating it more towards like the longer distance races. Um, but the other thing that I wanted to say, um, crap, Courtney will have to take that or Chrissy will have to take that little like, <laughs> out of there. Actually, no, leave it. it's fine. Um, I lost my train of thought, but was just going to like highlight essentially like your training in terms of how how structured it is how how you incorporate even hiking in there because again I think a lot of people don't think about how these other like cross training things that you are doing um count towards aerobic capacity like your body doesn't know the difference it it just knows that it's putting time and effort into training yeah and I think like for cycling it's great because you're not it's non-weight bearing in a sense, especially if you're doing it on a train or not. Look, if you're going out on the road, it's a completely different thing. But my bike riding during a hundred mile race typically ends up being on a bike trainer, right? Or a stationary bike where turn that knob down, like don't listen to the people at Peloton, like turn that knob way down and just spin your legs out. I love getting in the pool, 20, 30 minutes, right? One, you're away from technology. So you get rid of that stress while you're in the water um, and you can pool walk. Like I, I had an athlete who raced the Leadville 100. And as we got closer to taper week, I was like, okay, get in the water. And I literally put in his training plan, grab a beer and some music and just pool walk for 20 to 30 minutes. It'll be the greatest thing that you've ever done because it's there's no stress. There's no time. There's no intervals you have to match. Right. And, and just yeah, you're literally just chilling and walking and recovering and, and enjoying the training process. So I think if you incorporate those those types of cross-training things, 
it makes a huge difference in, okay, I get to go run today. Like this is going to be great as opposed to consistently pounding the pavement or the dirt and trail where you get to the point where you're like, I just don't want to do this right now. But if you mix it up, it helps. And, and I keep Monday through Friday really short, you know, again, 45 minutes to an hour. Um, and depending on the, the key workout and then maybe 20 to 30 minutes on the recovery component of it all. So at most, a, a one day might be an hour and a half during the Monday through Friday week. Because again, you're you're either running a small business or you work for somebody, you might have kids, you have a significant other, you've got family and friends and other obligations, like and other things that you enjoy doing as well. And so um, I try not to uh, put those so far on the back burner that you don't enjoy the training because you're not being able to do those other things as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, with what you said about like biking and it not it is lower impact. I think what a lot of people don't understand, like one of the biggest differences between like why, why if like you can essentially like if you are going out on a bike and you're going outside and you're doing hills, like why even that isn't the same kind of like fatigue level as running one running is full body. Yes. We're using majority legs, but like our arms, our torso are creating a lot of rotation, a lot of movement as well. Um, but the other big thing that I see that really impacts people and they don't realize it. And I talk about it with females, especially during different phases of their menstrual cycle is the neurological fatigue. And so when you are this essentially because we're creating impact, because we're essentially hopping on one foot, there's a lot of vibration that essentially has to be absorbed through the body. And that creates a lot of neurological fatigue. And people don't like people just think about muscle fatigue, but they don't think that like our nervous system gets fatigued. Oh, our nervous system gets fatigued from running and it can get even more fatigued depending upon for females where they are in their menstrual cycle, where they are in their even life cycles. And then now with the heat, it's even more so. So biking is a great opportunity to shift that, be able to get the same load. Like I went biking last night because I'm biking more with the fact that like my left inner thigh is not tolerating a ton of running right now. I can do all uphill running. (laughs) So essentially I just have to constantly be going uphill. Um, and I'm actually (laughs) supposed to be doing a trail mountain like race. I'm putting that in quotations because I'm not actually racing it because I just have no idea what like my capacity is. I've never done anything like this. So I'm just doing it because I've always wanted to do it and I'm not worried about doing it even though it's more mileage than I've been able to tolerate right now is because it's all uphill essentially. And like, that's what my body has been like feeling best with, but I can't go out and just like run hill repeats every single day. Like that, that would be a lot. (laughs) So I've been going on the bike and it feel like I can easily go out and ride for 45 minutes. Like I did last night after strength training, 10 miles, just like that. And like, I'm tired, of course, and I feel a little bit sore, of course, but it's nowhere near the same level of fatigue that I would have from doing like a 10 mile run, of course. Like it's so different. And it, it, the, again, your body doesn't know the difference in terms of the aerobic capacity side of things, the cardiovascular side of things. It just knows you're exerting effort over time. Yeah, your heart rate is higher than it would be if you were just sitting down doing nothing, right? And that's that's how your body understands it. Like, and, and don't get me wrong, there's running shape and there's biking shape and there's swimming shape, of course, right? Because of the muscles 
but not mm-hmm. necessarily the cardiovascular component of it all. So yeah, like sometimes it takes a little bit of, oh yeah, this is going to benefit my running as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that needs to be learned from an athlete's perspective. And I have to remind myself too, like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm not going to run this day because I'm doing strength training. Well, that's still com- a, a component to becoming a better runner as well. And, um, you know, your body isn't, doesn't compartmentalize, I guess is really the best way to say it. Right. It's not like, Oh, you're, you ran today. So you're only, you're only your running fitness got better. Or you only bike today. So only your bike fitness got better. It's yeah. your overall, yes. right. Your, athletic your overall fitness. <laughs> exactly. And then next thing you know, you're like, Oh, okay. And and I think part of it too is your mental training. Cause you're like, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to go run today. I haven't run in two days cause I swam and, and rode my bike or whatever, did yoga. Um, and I can go, I'm going to go run today. And, and it brings that enjoyment back into it, which mm-hmm. can get lost if it's running every single day. Right. Um, like I, I'm amazed by people who do run streaks. Like I don't get it. Like I can't process in my head this idea of putting on my running shoes every single day, even if it's again, air quotes, podcast listeners, just for a mile. Um, I can't fathom that because I know I would get so tired and bored of it really that I'd be looking for something else. And then all of a sudden running doesn't exist in my life because it was like, you know, I've done this for 150 days straight or whatever it is. Yeah. I, I don't think I, I don't think I've done like any run streaking since I was in high school. And that was when I didn't know any better. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I don't do that anymore because like one, I just can't tolerate it. My body gets too tired. Um, and two, like I, I enjoy the variety. I enjoy spending like 45 minutes and like lifting really hard in the gym. And I know not a lot, a lot of, not a lot of runners really enjoy that, but like there is like, I think, I think part of it is a practice thing because most people don't enjoy things that they're not confident with. And most of us, when we start running, we just start running. We don't actually like incorporate the other things. And so initially when you try to strength train, you're like, I don't feel like I'm doing this right. And I don't really know what to do. And like, you look up things online and again, like it's so vague and half of it's not really run, run specific that like people are like, I have like, maybe I'm doing this right, but like, I don't have confidence. And that's probably one of the biggest things that in like the discovery calls that I do with people, they're like, how do I, how do I strength train and how do I incorporate it into my like routine to make it work for my goals with running? Like, that's the biggest question that I know so many, so many runners have. Um, And I think it's a, it's the same thing with running it's a practice thing that you, you have to just put in the time and the dedication. And like, initially it's probably not going to feel like super smooth. It's not going to feel super fluid. It's going to feel a little bit clunky, but the more that you do it, the more that you practice it, the more than then you'll start to be able to one lift heavier weights and you're going to feel more empowered and you're going to feel stronger, but then you're going to feel more confident because of that. Cause you're like, hell, hell yeah, I can, I can lift X amount of weights in the gym. Um, and that makes you feel like really proud because of that. The same way, like I can go run X distance, no problem. Or I can go run this time. No problem. Like that just becomes like essentially like a, a staple of like, Hey, we're really proud of this accomplishment of us, like sticking with it. Um, and, and showing up for ourselves consistently with that. I think one of the other things that people don't go to the gym is because they're worried about how much weight they're lifting in regards to other people at the gym. Do yourself a favor. Yeah. 
go to the gym, do a set, and look around. There's nobody paying attention to you because they're on their phone, they're scrolling, they're taking their own selfies, and then they're also doing their weightlifting. Like so, trust me when I tell you, you're not the spotlight isn't on you when you go to the gym. So just go there, do the no, thing that you need to do. Yeah, nobody's paying attention whatsoever. It, it cracks me up um, sometimes when I'm at the gym and I look around and like literally everybody's head is down on their phone doing whatever it is that they're doing or they're you know posing and they're taking their pictures and stuff like that for their social media feeds later on. And if anybody, honestly, if anybody ever does like whether this like we're kind of coming back around, but like if anybody ever does give you shame for either gate again gatekeeping in the running community or in gatekeeping in the weight room make eye contact with them and like literally just say i belong here like you don't have to say anything else but just like say i belong here make full eye contact and like they're not gonna say anything because anybody that is coming out and essentially like objective is essentially like a bully it is a person that is they're trying to make themselves feel better by putting this barrier in place and they do not think they think that because you look a certain way or whatever it is that like or the the way that you're running or whatever the the case and scenario is they are putting a judgment on you based upon what their own judgment is in their head and they do not expect you to fight back they do not expect you and you don't even have to quote unquote fight back all you have to do is be confident and like tell them that you belong here and make eye contact with them. And that will 99.9% of the time make people back down and like move away. Um, but if you're, if you're really concerned about, again, having those scenarios where you feel uncomfortable, get a buddy. There's probably somebody that you already enjoy running with or doing other activities with bring them along. Cause like they probably need to go to the gym as well. And like, <laughs> if you do those things together, there is strength in numbers and there is support in numbers in terms of giving yourself that support. But I often find that if you do show that confidence, that outward confidence, and like you have eye contact and you don't shy away from it, most people will back down in that regard. And if you do have somebody that you feel comfortable with also being in that environment, you will also have the ability to have like a little bit of like an upper hand or more confidence to, to kind of support yourself in those scenarios. Yeah. I love when I go to the gym and I see the person that's in their sixties and seventies in there working out. Right. And I think to myself, that person doesn't care what anybody in this gym says about them. And just take their mentality and be like, yeah, they're here. They're doing their thing. Oh, by the way, go back to money is green, no matter who's handing it to you, right? And so you pay for that gym just as much as that person that, you know, next to you is paying for the gym too. So just understand that, like, you have every right to, to the gym equipment and to be there as much as the other person does too. And I think that's like, so I think as we get older, regardless, we we start to care less and less. Like, we, we hopefully learn our learn who we are more as a person and we become more confident in the things that we like the things that we don't like in our values in our goals like we become more self-assured and i feel like they say like in your 30s is like when you're really kind of like starting to like learn those things really become an adult and then when you're 40 like you're you're solid in these things like no one can tell you essentially differently about yourself because you're like i i know who i am and i know what i like i know what i don't like you're not going to disrespect my values like these are my boundaries. 
I think, again, when we have athletes coming into the space at later ages, if you haven't had those years of learning who you are, learning what you like, learning what you don't like, learning your values, learning your goals in an athletic space, again, it's going to take you some years to build that confidence. It's not going to just all of a sudden happen overnight just because just because you are this person as an individual outside of athletics that is very confident or very self-assured in the things that you know does not mean that you'll necessarily be that way in something that is still relatively new. And we're not meaning, again, somebody that just picked up their running shoes yesterday. We're meaning people that maybe just started running in the last five years or less um, or started taking it a little bit more seriously and had like is trying to progress in certain ways. Like there's still a lot of growth there that needs to occur that takes decades to to come through um to be able to like see the the resolve that you end up getting and the confidence that you end up building from that. Yeah, and I would take the fact that you're the person who's listening to this podcast is seeking information, right? Continue to seek information. Like look at other um websites and other podcasts and take all of that stuff in because your words and my words may not click with them, but there might be somebody else who says exactly what we're saying, just in a different way that clicks with them, that gives them that confidence to then go and pursue those dreams. So, um, you know, I, I will always say I'm a lifelong learner, right? I'm curious and I'm always going to ask why and, and ask questions about things. And I think that when we get involved in endurance sports, that is, that needs to happen. Like, why would you buy these running shoes? Why are you using these running shoes? Why would you incorporate strength training? Like, ask those questions. Don't make assumptions. Mm-hmm. Don't make assumptions that somebody who's qualified for the Boston Marathon, right, is going to have all the answers to everything, right? They they happen to be able to do that. Don't think that somebody who's done an Ironman race has all the answers. Like, there's so many ways to quote unquote skin a cat that you know be somebody who's constantly looking for information to help you in your journey um to your start line and and inevitably your own finish line as well because i think that will keep you in the sport longer too instead of just taking somebody else's word for it and doing it and being like this doesn't feel right something's uncomfortable and then all of a sudden getting out of it like keep looking for that information keep listening to the stories that people are telling um, and you'll be able to to find your path in this sport for a very, very, very long time. I love that. I think that is a perfect way for us to kind of like come to a conclusion here. Um, Jason, thank you so much for joining today. Like I, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and I definitely want to have you on the podcast again. Um, want to hear how your journey into the 100 and 200 miler go over the next year, year and a half, however long it kind of takes you to kind of go across that process. Cause again, there's no time limit. There's no like end date on your journey. That's just going to be a continual kind of cog wheel and progression forward. Um, is there any last minute kind of thoughts that you want to leave the listeners? And is there anything that you would like to kind of let them know about what's going on in terms of like your business and those side of things? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that opportunity. So you can find us at runtrymag.com. We are the voice of the everyday athlete, and we believe that your story matters. We all got started somewhere in these sports. I happen to do a quarter mile at a time until I figured out I can run a mile straight. Um, And everybody has a story that they can share. And we love sharing those stories. And we do it through one of two ways. We either 
have the person write the story like you did, Warren, or we'll do an interview style and we'll write the story for them. But check us out at runtrimag.com. And I think that's what I want to leave people with is that your story matters. It's your journey. Go on it. Enjoy it and embrace it and love it. And then tell somebody about it because you might inspire somebody that you didn't think you might inspire. I love that. We will definitely put the link for the website and um, also Instagram below in the show notes so people can find you. If you guys enjoyed this episode, shoot a message to me or Jason and let us know. Um, We'll definitely have Jason on the podcast again because as you I think heard our conversation just like flowed so beautifully and came back around in like this beautiful circle. I loved it. Um, But thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys have a great training of whatever you choose to do, whether that is choosing a recovery day and enjoying like just having a beer and walking in the pool. Cause like, that sounds like a great training day for me. (laughs) I'm going to start incorporating that. Um, I don't have a pool, so I'll have to figure that out, but, (laughs) um, or it's you going out for a run, bike, whatever it may be, but have, enjoy your training and make it what you want to be. But that is all for today's episode of the up and running podcast. I hope you enjoyed and had some key takeaways from today's episode. If there are other questions or topics that you are looking for me to dive into, please reach out to me via Instagram and shoot me a DM at the personalized running doc today. I'll talk to you soon.